the whiskey-loving tones and the microphone are brought to you by Inga Larissa and my whiskey partner in crime, Jennifer Rose. Yes, indeed. Whether you are a whiskey newbie or have been around the whiskey block for some time, buckle up for some whiskey mischief as we delve deeper into Scotch and explore whiskies from around the world. You can keep up to date with our global whiskey news in the Stick Your Nose in It section. And we hope you'll join us in raising a glass as we taste our drums and share our honest opinions. And of course, we will be interviewing some whiskey industry movers and shakers, as well as keeping those brains sharp in Whiskey Sisters Whiskey Facts. As always, we will be sharing our own whiskey journey and invite you to come along for the ride. Whiskey lovers, get your drums ready. A warm Whiskey Sisters welcome. A few weeks ago, the Whiskey Sisters were invited to the Glentart Distillery, where we had a tasting, or quite a few tastings, <laughs> and some amazing, delicious food. The distillery kindly gifted us some samples to take home to review in today's episode. Yes, we were super spoiled, Inka, weren't we? It's a tough job being a whiskey sister. But before we tell you more about our experience, let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. Do you remember in the season one when we mentioned Rob, who was doing the charity bicycle ride and visiting pretty much every single distillery in Scotland? I know, epic, so good. And we had a great live chat with him as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy. Mm. So he got 84 bottles of whiskey for a charity auction as well. That will start on the 30th of September, so this Friday, and is hosted by whiskey auctioners in Perth. And there's some real gems there, like including Glen Farkless cask strength bottling from 2009. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh, you can see that actually on his Instagram page. Bloodnoch mm -hmm. single cask red wine hogshead, which was distilled in 2007 and bottled this year in 2022. Okay. As well as 25-year-old Lafroig signed by the distillery manager. And there's also a COP26 Scotch Whiskey Association bottling that was never made available for public release. Ooh. I know. Yeah, I know. There's loads of goodies. Yeah. Obviously, several other signed bottles and distillery exclusives and so on. So, yeah, definitely check it out. He's done um, amazing work with that. That sounds like a spectacular collection, doesn't it? Is it individual bottles that will be auctioned? Do you know, Inca? Yeah. It's not like the whole lot altogether, right? No, no, it's individual bottles. So 84 Gosh. different bottles up for grabs. Mm. Scotch brand Old Pulteney has released the first whiskey in a new range inspired by coastal locations around the world. To create the Coastal series, Old Pulteney partnered with spirit makers from different coastal locations to mature its whisky in specialist casks. The collection will comprise four limited edition whiskies that will be released annually from 2022. The series has kicked off with a launch of Old Pulteney, Pinot de Chartonnais. Inspired by the flavours of the French coastline. Apologies for that pronunciation. <laughs> I always struggle with the French. Yeah, I've decided just to go with vigour and see what happens. <laughs> the whisky was first matured in traditional American oak casks, followed by further maturation in ex Pinot de Chartonnais wine casks from the southwest coast of France. And the resulting liquid offers flavours of candied orange warm spices and vanilla and notes of caramelized hazelnuts and ground spices oh sounds nice doesn't it 
Oh, sounds amazing. We should definitely feature Old Pultney on the podcast because I think we both quite like these kind of savory, salty whiskies. We always end up having like lots of sherry or something. And I think Old Pultney would be. I love that we've covered a lot of nice kind of sherry twiskies, but yeah, definitely a little bit of um, sea salt doesn't go amiss. Old Pultney is matured in Wick, Scotland and influenced by coastal notes from the North Sea. It sounds like a distillery that's made from my palate. Yeah. Whiskey Sisters! The Glen Turret is Scotland's oldest working distillery and at the earliest record is that's from 1763. Glen Turret is located in the Hosh Creef, surrounded by the beautiful Perthshire countryside. And it really is super stunning, isn't it, Inca? Mm, yes. It was a really lovely drive there. And again, not to sound smug, but we kind of had a posh drive there. We were <laughs> driven by Michael Malloy of Whiskey Prestige Travel. So it was fancy. And it was just really beautiful. And it was great to see their water source, the River Turret, which goes right by the distillery. Yeah, and funnily enough, the Glentart Distillery used to be better known for the famous Krause, and they used to do this famous Krause experience at the distillery. They weren't really known for the Glentart itself, which is odd. I didn't actually know that till we were there. Yeah, I was quite surprised by that. Apparently, a lot of the locals were quite upset about this whole, <laughs> these new changes that they've been doing, and people would just show up and like wanting to buy famous Krause. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't even sell it anymore, do they? Yeah. At least I didn't see any. I didn't see any either. I don't think they're riding on the coattails of that too much, are they? <laughs> no. So yeah, like many distilleries, uh, Glentaret has had several several owners over the years. But when in 2019, the distillery was purchased by a joint venture led by the Lalique Group, a French luxury lifestyle company, they decided to invest in making Glentaret the star of the show. Well, they have done a great job, haven't they? Visually, it was stunning countryside for a star. You know, and then there was this beautiful blending of kind of old and new, in my opinion, Inca. There were some beautifully modern parts mm -hmm. of the visitor experience with stunning lighting, you know, the architecture, but you had the lovely sort of traditional buildings as well. And like bit of a mm, sexy, sexy, swanky bottle design, if I, if I say so. I know, it's very nice. Definitely like something you would keep after you finish the bottle. It's just, yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. And I like how they had done all the lights behind the bottles, like in the yeah. bar and in the shop to really just... Yeah, it was very nice. And I'm like glassware mad anyway. So it was Exactly. All... You know, and I noticed that you were like so impressed by that. And on a superficial level, as ladies that jaunt about and take a lot of photographs of each other and ourselves together, the lighting was good for that, right? <laughs> I know. I was just going to say that. Well. <laughs> the Glen Turret was named the Icons of Whiskey 2022 Distiller of the Year, you know, and no wonder. And don't even get me started on that restaurant income. <gasps> I know. So basically, we started, the, we did the tour around the distillery, all mm -hmm. this, you know, the usual. And then we ended up in this tasting room with these amazing lights and tried two of the whiskies. Then we went upstairs to through the shop to the restaurant to do another tasting. 
which was super cozy as well. And yeah, then the yeah, restaurant yeah. was really nice. So after seven months of being open, the restaurant got a Michelin star. Yeah, well done to them, yeah. Yeah, so that's for the dinners. Like 17 courses, dinner, oh my God. That's a bit crazy, isn't it? It's a bit mental. So yeah, we we just had the lunch, which was so good. And you were being super sweet and we didn't want to order too much. We were a bit like, oh, we'll just have a wee bit of this and a wee bit of that. I know, because they gave us the menu and we're like, oh, well, we'll just we'll try that and stuff. And they just gave us everything anyway. <laughs> I like yeah. cocktails and wine and so nice so spoiled and even in that second tasting again to go back to some of the glassware oh the glasses they served the whiskey in were stunning you know themselves weren't they so as a whole experience I just found it like multi-sensory I felt very like it was very luxurious felt really spoiled exactly and I, even with the lunch though like I didn't feel because I saw the prices, obviously, from the menu. And considering it's a Michelin star, you'd expect it to be quite expensive. But yeah. it really is not. So uh-huh. It's more accessible than people might think. Yeah, exactly. And you can have little plays to share or you can have your main courses or even sandwiches and stuff. So I yeah. think they've thought of every aspect. So like it's, you know, not everyone wants to go and spend tons of money. They just want to try the whiskey and so on. And they got loads of whiskeys there, don't they, behind the yeah, bar? Yeah, they had Hundreds. so, yeah, definitely. You know, there was a sommelier there that had so much information on wine for people that love wine. But yeah, they did. And it wasn't like, this is Glen Turret, like, so this is what you buy whiskey-wise. For whiskey lovers, there was a plethora of choice. And everyone's really friendly, weren't they? Yeah. And oh yeah, I have to give a mention to Alex who did our tour because just I just loved him. He was so knowledgeable. Like, you know, when you do lots of tours and they all kind of just like, okay, you get all the same information. Yeah. But he still made it really interesting and kind of like, I really wanted to listen to him and wanted him to tell more stories. <laughs> he was brilliant, actually. I agree. The Glen Turret has released their core collection for 2022, which includes five signature whiskies that embody the distiller's ethos of small batch handcrafted whiskies, with an exciting new addition of the seven-year-old, which is peated. And they also then have the 25-year-old and 30-year-old. We will be reviewing the peated 10-year-old as well as the 12 and the 15-year-olds mm-hmm. shortly. But what did you think about the triple wood? I actually did think that the triple wood had loads to offer we tasted two different years yeah Yeah, it was 2021 and then the new one yeah and I kind of thought "Mm, I'm preferring the new one but I was interested you know you preferred the first and then I was I began to sort of overthink it and go oh am I not tasting no, well. <laughs> no, I actually preferred the 2022. Oh, did you? Yeah, well, when I tried first tried the 2021 and it was quite nice on the nose and the notes of like, mm. you know, aromas, orchard fruits, kind of yes. baked apple pies and all that kind of stuff. It was a very nice, like easy sipping gram. So it was quite nice. And then when he served the this year's one, it was just like slightly better, but like hard to pinpoint how exactly because they were very similar, but it was just a but you know there was something extra well I was going to say do you think it was like similar but maybe like almost like more layers like depth of aroma and flavor and the yeah. more recent one and I think it might have been higher ABV uh-huh. which also probably helps kind of discover these tasting notes a little bit more 
Absolutely. And the triple wood is a sweet and spicy yet soft whiskey matured in American and European oak, sherry seasoned cast along with bourbon barrels. And last year's edition won several gold medals and I can really see why. And it's kind of, I think it gets a little bit overshadowed by all these new other releases, yeah. but it shouldn't. It's very nice. Um, so what surprised me though was the scale of the distillery. They produce quarter of a million litres a year, which is not as much as I thought like somehow I just thought you know the oldest working distillery you were just expecting a little bit more they're not trying to overdo it absolutely and it is quite in some ways it feels kind of reassuring not that you know distilleries that are producing huge quantities are by any means lessening their quality but there was a kind of really nice wholesome feel at the distillery that they were really focused on kind of quality over quantity yeah exactly I think when you think of the Michelin star restaurant and stuff. I don't know. Like I was expecting to be a bit stuck up or, you know, like everyone <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit like, like fancy, fancy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it wasn't like that at all. Hey, Inca, we can't go to Glintura and not chat about the whole cat situation. It's like, it's quite the big deal there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we actually, we did mention the cat before. It was one of our facts. Indeed. <laughs> Towser the Mouser. Yes. So we found out more about this cat, didn't we, on that visit? Apparently, it didn't like humans at all. It was like a bit feisty and only liked a few of the distillery workers. Yeah, and there was that, she was on the Netflix TV show as well recently. And is there a rumour that she was kind of misrepresented? Is that a less famous cat than uh, Lindor's Abbey cat? Yes, and also she is a she, not a he. <laughs> and on the next Netflix show, they were calling Towser the Mouser that he's a male, but oh, she's not a male. Totally misrepresented on Netflix. But there's still like a cat theme going on, isn't there? Because there's two distillery cats. Now, Oinka, how cute was it? Like at the bottom of the still, there was the cat bed. And on the way into the still room, there's like a little cat ramp cat flap in the middle of the like quite <laughs> high know. up and then down the other side yeah. super cute at one point we were actually like we just interrupted this tour because we were following we wanted to follow the cat back <laughs> to the still room <laughs> <laughs> videos of the cat totally now oh. there was two and they were called one called glenn and one called turret if i remember yeah completely. yeah, yeah. These new owners, basically, they've invested a lot of money to the distillery. Well, Alex was saying also that when they were taking bets on you know, who, who gets to buy the distillery, these people were actually wanting to see business plans, what everyone wanted to do with the place. And they went with this company or these guys because they really wanted to keep the history and invest in sustainability and like not just be like, oh, more production, more production, yeah. but actually just create much more with the place. Absolutely. I think that's testimony to the kind of energy that they've brought, uh, the kind of ethos. And it seems like they've gone in and enhanced things and supported what was there. You know, and as you see, the sustainability side of things, it's super important. They've appointed an environmental ambassador to help the team to improve the sustainability across the business from distillation to marketing and so on. The main project has been the new mass tan, new mm-hmm. heating elements, uh, in the stills means that it takes less energy for them to power them and a heat recovery system
system it was attached to the stills that allows them to preheat the wash before distillation using the energy from previous distillations. So they basically me- used, like they measured the power usage as kilowatt hours per liter of alcohol produced. So previously it used to be about 13 and now they around eight or nine. They are hoping to be able to improve it as they go along with all these other other changes. So it's good to see that they definitely like straight away doing stuff. Absolutely. And that's not that's going to cost a pretty penny, isn't it? That's a lot of investment to create those environmental changes. While we were at the distillery, we had a chance to interview the distillery manager Ian Rennick and the head chef Mark Donald. Now we were all recording in the same room, so hopefully the sound quality will be juicy and delicious. But if it's not, we apologize in advance. Ian Rennick and Mark Donald. I'm Mark Donald, I'm the head chef at the Glen Turret restaurant. And I'm Ian Rennick, I'm the distillery manager at Glen Turret. Thank you for joining us today. Let's start with the restaurant side of first, because we just finished our fabulous lunch and <laughs> everything is fresh in the memory. Exactly, we're very well fed today. Yeah, so <laughs> this is the first in-distillery fine dining concept with the Michelin star. And it only took... How long till you got this? It's like seven months? Uh, yeah, seven months of operation. Could you tell us a little bit more about your background? I wanted to go to the RSAMD, sort of work my way up, um, and wanted to, to work in restaurants and establishments that were sort of closer to fine dining. And I travelled around, so I moved from Glasgow to Australia, back to Glasgow, then to Andrew Fairley at Glen Eagles. Uh, I did some time at Nomad Copenhagen. I worked with Claude Bossy in London at Hibiscus. Um, I moved back to Australia. Um, I met my wife in London, she's from Tasmania, so we went back to Australia, ran Bentley in Sydney for about three and a half years, and then came back to Scotland, I wanted to move back, um, took over number one at the Balmoral in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. and then got pinched out of there by Glen Turret. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, quite a tour, tour around places. Yeah. <laughs> I'm older than I look, so I've been told. (laughs) (laughs) So, can you tell us a little bit about the vision behind the menu and where do you find inspiration? Before I talk about the menu, it's probably important to say that there's quite a few points of entry for for food or gastronomy at the distillery. So the people that go on a tour, if they just want a quick bite or a sandwich, then they can have that after their tour, Mm -hmm. um, their whiskey tour. And then we have a more casual lunch, I guess, more casual to dinner, which is delicious bar food and then the dinner is um it's about 17 servings all in that's what we got the michelin star from yeah and that's i guess what you would call fine dining mm-hmm. or associate more with fine dining so that was more casual what we had yeah, yeah. it seemed like so fancy <laughs> no i like the selection of the little kind of bar snacks that even like the nuts and the olives and the pickles and things were just absolutely delicious. yeah they're all they're all made in like the house yeah. and it's still the same team they cook the dinner, they cook the lunch. So for the for the actual the, seventeen course dinner menu. Yeah, so originally it was only supposed to be six courses and then we just got a bit excited. <laughs> Obviously yeah. those courses got paired back into smaller servings. But the vision is is quite a difficult thing to master, especially being in a distillery, because when I was offered the job or told about the job, you know, the connotations of a whiskey distillery doing nice food is haggis stuffed chicken, like mm-hmm. shortbread tin stereotypical things so to find the balance there without it being like brigadoonish or contrived was quite difficult but obviously we spent a bit of time developing and understanding how the full process from grain to to bottle Um, and we've applied we've applied um, certain things that we've learned 
on site to our cooking. For example, how, how we make the bread. The bread comes from the same mill the malt is in. We take that, that grain and we, we put it into our bread. Realising what you have at your fingertips. So there's there's underlying nuances and flavour in there that are suggestive of being in a distillery that, that yeah. not everyone even knows. It gives a sense of place. The team is well-travelled and I'm well-travelled. Our palettes are quite international. So that sounds a really innovative way of you know weaving together like the kind of themes of whiskey, but in a it's in a unique way, isn't it? Because there's there's nothing you know there's no other similar setups. It was a leap of faith, I guess, mm-hmm. but it was a leap we all took together. Thank you for amazing lunch. No problem. It was just <laughs> yeah, it's a big team effort. It's, it's not just uh, it's not just mine, but yeah, it's uh, I couldn't do it without the team. So Glentart has recently released the new core collection for 2022, and we actually did some comparisons between ah, 21 and 20. Uh, 22 earlier. The new one includes five signature whiskies with a new addition of the seven-year-old. Yes. How would you say these releases differ from the 2021 20, okay. or you know the previous ones? Yeah, I'll explain why we do it for a start. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably more important than why than the difference. Because the difference probably isn't that important. It's more the fact that this is a new year. We almost release it a little bit like wine because every year we'll have a new new release mm-hmm. of essentially the same product, but what we do is we want to maximise the stock we've, we have in any given year. Yeah. So for us, a lot of big distilleries, they'll have their 12-year-old standard, which they're very happy with, and that'll continue year after year after year. We really cannot do that. We've not got enough stock. We talk about our stocks in true scarcity and stuff like that, but it really, really is true mm-hmm. scarcity. We've not got a lot of stock. Yeah. So to maximise our 10-year-old, our 12-year-old, our 15, 25, 30, there's so little stocks in these years what yeah. we do is we've got a recipe. We know the 12-year-old's roughly going to be sherry-driven, mm-hmm. whether it's European or whether it's whether it's American. But the actual makeup of, of these casks will change. We're only talking yeah. about 60 casks will make up our whole year supply. Mm-hmm. So to make that exactly the same the next year, we'd be really hands would be really tied yeah. to be able to do that. So to maximise the taste and the flavours, what we do is we actually we stay in the ballpark, but we change it. Yeah. Which is great because we get the best possible every year that we can do. Mm-hmm. We don't be contained with what we, we can do to keep the same, because we don't want to do that. So <clears throat> I think that's more important than the, the changes. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And the introduction of the seven-year-old this year was because we could. We had an opportunity where we had stock of that age, yeah. which Bob has been working on for quite a while. We got to a point where he's, he's happy with it. Yeah. And it is very different from the 10-year-old as well. Yeah, that was actually one of our questions, just like why the addition of the seven-year-old, yeah. but it, it does make sense now that you explain it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think with the 21 and 22, you could taste that they're definitely like still very similar, mm-hmm. but like there's subtle yes. changes, so it's not like it's completely new whiskey. People still can expect certain style, That's I guess. That's because that's exactly what we're talking about, because we, we want to evolve and move on yeah. mm. and make the best we can for that year. I think the one for me that's changed probably most over the well, three years we're really talking is a 15 year old mm-hmm. and that's it's just as different stock becomes available yeah. we can we can change it and that's the one that's really it's now a really good step up from the 12 year old there's yeah. always a step up before but I think this year in particular I mm-hmm. think Bob's just he's got the right stock and he's, he's managed to play about with it and get it yeah. And can you tell us a bit about the triple wood? Well, triple wood, yeah. I mean, triple wood is one that sort of 
survived from the old time almost mm -hmm. because it was successful before and when Bob came on board he made a, a point of talking to the team that was here and looking to see he didn't want to change the world you know we've now got a designated whiskey maker that can dedicate the time to do that mm -hmm. but he was also very respectful of tradition past and where we were the triple wood we were talking about some European and European sherry, American sherry, and also got some bourbon in there as well. Mm -hmm. But it's put together very differently. Yeah. And it's put back into cast to marry once mm -hmm. he's made up his formula yeah. of the year. So again, that'll change a little bit year on year. The interesting thing, I think, in Triple Wood in particular, the strength has changed a little bit. And I found this, I thought, put a glass down and say, try that. And it was this last year in particular, I remember this, and tasted it because, oh, that's, that's really good, Bob, that's great. The next one, that's that's really good as well, but the first one's a lot better. And it was the same whiskey at 1% difference. And yeah. because he'd reduced it down to 43 like the previous year, mm -hmm. thinking that's that that's good. And he think that's ah, something a little bit missing. So we played about with it and then ended up at 44. That's 1%. I mean, I swear in my life, I would not have believed that before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The difference that makes in a whiskey. Uh -huh. yeah. So that 1%. And this year, it actually went up another percent. So it's actually sitting at 45%. Next year it might be back to the 43, depends yeah. on what the stock's like. Pete has always been featured in the Glentarret whiskies, and, and, and the records are actually showing that Pete was originally sourced near the distillery's water source. But where does it come today? Yeah, it's a good question. You talk about we're always in, we've always had peated, but we haven't really had any peated from before 2009. We're going way back to the early yeah. previous century. Mm -hmm. That's when we had Pete, and obviously everything would have been really, really local yeah. at that point. So now we work with our maltsters, a company mm -hmm. called Simpsons Malt. When we changed over from our previous company, we, we now had everything back in-house. So we had choices to make. So instead of just picking up the telephone and saying, can I have some malted barley please and put it back down? Now we have to go and talk to the farmers and see who's going to grow. We'll have to work out how much we're going to grow, where we're going to malt it, what the specifications are going to be. And of course, if it's peated, what's the peak going to be and yeah. all that kind of stuff as well. That's all very new to us. So we started with Simpsons and we went around quite a few maltsters just to see and we ended up back there thinking mm -hmm. they're actually quite a big company and the only reason we were looking elsewhere was thinking they're actually too big, they don't really suit our profile, mm -hmm. we're strong, traditional and stuff like that. But we couldn't be more wrong to be fair, they're such a family driven, mm -hmm. really historical company yeah. and their ethos is exactly the same as ours and they knew that as well so when we went down they just targeted all the things Providence, stuff like that, that we were looking for, and mm -hmm. the barley now comes locally and stuff like that mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Pete, Pete isn't a massive part of our process. Mm -hmm. So during, we only make two products, yeah. which are peated products. So we use very, very little peat on that. Although it's quite heavily peated. So we started off getting peat from Isla, mm -hmm. thinking oh, okay. Isla's the place, that's mm -hmm. where you need to go to get peat. But ironically, it isn't the most peated peat, it's not yeah. the most smoky peat. So if you take it from different regions around Scotland, actually about Aberdeenshire is where you've got your most heavily peated peat, you know, if you want a big influence. Mm -hmm. So to go all the way back and answer your question, a lot of it's coming from there, but we do source some from the south of Scotland as well, but this mm -hmm. is all controlled by Simpsons yeah. as well. How would you describe the peat then? Like Isla whiskies are quite medicinal and so on, and then Orkneys, they don't have any wood, yeah. there's no trees, so it's <laughs> right, totally exactly. different. Yeah, so, different. how would you compare this and like what kind of influence does it give to the whiskey? That's a really good question because they, 
Pete, it's funny, it's got a lot to do with obviously the peat source of mm -hmm. the ending of whiskey, but it's got a lot to do with your spirit as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So our production, but it's, it's sweet. So a long fermentation mm -hmm. and a slow distillation mm -hmm. will give us a, a sweet product. Yeah. So if you're putting that in a, if you're starting off with malted barley and peated malt, that will come through the process as well. Mm -hmm. The only thing we do different between unpeated and peated is we change the middle cut a little okay. bit. We put it a little bit further into the run, so we take a little bit more four shots off the head, uh -huh. so that the middle cut just goes a little bit further in, so we're not emphasizing the phenol, phenols so much at the start. Uh, sorry, the esters at the start, we're emphasizing the phenols at the end, mm -hmm. which are the more peated heavier notes that are going to come off. So I really like all this. That's just like a tiny little thing that's changed, but it can change a lot. Yeah. Exactly, it's a massive yeah. change. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're only talking about changing it 10 minutes in mm -hmm. distillation terms, yes. but you're just taking the whole cut there, so you're moving this further into the cut. Yeah. If you were to say what kind of pita is, I would say it's definitely a sweet pita note Because yeah. mm -hmm. we're going to ask about the long fermentation time. That, yes. Know, and is, the, is that the primary reason for that, to, to get that sweetness? Yeah, I mean, we find that most of the fermentation alcohol is converted after about 48, 50 hours. So you'll have your alcohol at that point, but you won't have all your flavours. Mm -hmm. So we're keeping it for about another 48 hours, so four, maybe even five days. And at that point, you're starting to get all your, but that sort of be toffee apple, maybe citrus, orange smells coming out then. You actually do smell them in the tundra. Mm -hmm. And if you put them through a slow distillation, which has just got the right interaction with the copper, yeah. that should just enhance that and when you put it in the cask whether it's peated or unpeated they'll continue right through. So I think we should end by you both giving us your recommendations on like what is your favourite Glentarat whiskey <coughs> and if our listeners were to buy one bottle what would it be and why? Okay I'll let Mark go first. <laughs> <laughs> Saw that coming. But I'm quite surprised by the seven year old in this year's release. Um, I really like it. Obviously the 10 year old is peated as well, but the 7 year old is having two peat smoked whiskies from the same year side by side, I was going a bit sceptical. Maybe because it's the new kid on the block, I like it. Did you try it? Yeah. Yes, I did like it. Did you it. like it? Personally, I preferred the 10 year old, but, okay. but I can see why I would like the 7 year old as well. It was yeah. really I love the 10 year old, we use it for, we use it for desserts, um, we season our, one of the lobster courses, uh, we season a, a lobster consomme. It's actually a lobster toddy. We season it with the ten-year-old. I think the seven's just—it's yeah. new. It's new. It's fun. Yeah, it's no, I think it's exciting. It's a little bit different because I, I find the palette that maybe a little bit more herbal, a bit more—I don't know, like because everything else is slightly on the sweeter side, so uh -huh. it's a slightly different. The other one—it's a really standout for me, as I just mentioned. Anyway, yeah. it's a fifteen-year-old, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and it really is because of the sort of journey it's come on. Yeah. It's so balanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's quite funny, I'm quite intrigued because you and your choices, because when we were doing the tour, we were told that the 12 year old is like everyone's favourite at the distillery, like everyone who works here is like 12 year old is the best. <laughs> so now we've got a nice mix, so basically all of it is good. <laughs> yeah, the 12 year old is good. The 12 is like, if I was buying a present for someone, I'd buy them a 12 year old. Yeah. Beautiful selection of whiskies. I think so, and I think yeah. like they are all different, but still the collection is quite crazy. I think that's interesting as well, though, because if say you buy a collection from the previous year, and you you wouldn't say I'm I'm going to buy next year's if it was the same, if yeah. it was the same liquid, exactly. you know, it's, it's I was like just it's, say that. yeah, 
you, you buy a collection again if you're drinking it. Yeah, exactly. You kind of want to come back. You want to you want to drink the new flavors as well as remember the old flavors. Yeah, and you're kind of intrigued to see like, oh, I really like that one, but I like the one like maybe the year before a little bit more, but now I'm intrigued how yeah. this next year is going to be. Yeah, yeah. So there's always that kind of evolution. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's great. We never even thought of that. We should work for the marketing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's like <laughs> We'd just like to thank you like, for the hosting yeah. today. It's really been a, a very special experience from start to finish, you know, the landscape, the history, the beautiful blend of, you know, contemporary features. We've even just been blown away by, you yeah. know, the, the lighting and visually everything's, you know, yeah. quite striking. And the cats. And the cats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the food is, you know, it's really a very special place and yeah. you've had a, a brilliant definitely like, so thank you so much we'll be back Thanks. thank you thank you very much you're always welcome dram on fire okay Inca let's start with the 12 year old seeing as the 10 year old is peated this 12 year old was created using fewer than 60 casks they use both American oak hogshead and European oak and it's bottled at 46% ABV Okay, so the color I would say is kind of dark honey, um, you know, those quite rich honey yeah. that you use with cheese and stuff and kind of amberish. Yeah, I agree. I've got amber. Nice color. Yeah. What did you get in the nose for this, Inca? Well, this is funny one, actually. It really evolves with air. So at first I was getting like ram-soaked raisins, some burnt sugar things like that, a little bit mm-hmm. of red fruits, even like, I was thinking like banana bread, but not like super strong on the banana. It's just ah. like those kind of spices that I was thinking. Then with a bit more air, there's that kind of dark sugar, which is not demerara, but the other, muscovado, that's it. Oh, that's a nice one. Now I've had this in the glass for quite a while and it's really just kind of mellows and it's much more sweeter and yeah, it changes a lot. How about you? Well, I'm intrigued to hear that. That sounds quite like my notes for aroma for the uh, a dram we're, we're going to go on to discuss. For this one, for the 12, I got kind of a crisp green Granny Smith apple on the nose. But then I was thinking, oh, it's actually quite sweet. So it made me think of, you know, in Scotland, we do like tablet coated apples, like not toffee apples, but tablet on the fresh green apple. Yeah, you know what? That's actually like... That kind of toffee coating, I feel like I'm getting it now. Yeah. But you know, weirdly, Inca, I was like sitting, nosing away and like, I'm really loving how you like, yeah, let the air at it. I've really embraced that and I noticed the changes. And I'm like, I can kind of smell garden shed. Not not totally earthy or muddy or like musty. Yeah. But I was kind of thinking, I'm kind of I'm kind of wandering about a wee bit of a kind of older man shed right now. Oh my god, you used to when you said ga ga because you started with ga. So I thought you were gonna say garlic. Because I was just gonna say I did some I was dropping garlic and make dinner and stuff, and then I was nosing these whiskeys. I'm like, oh I can smell garlic, and then I realized it was still stuck in my fingers. <laughs> oh, funny. I've been washing my hands so many times, but it's still like sometimes yeah. I keep my fingers away from my nose. <laughs> garlic is a bit of a lingerer, isn't it? Oh, that's funny. But no, like I don't often get that. And it wasn't like super strong, you know, earthy soil, but there was just a yeah. like a, a like something there. Definitely a bit that kind of soil. For, yeah. yeah. But not fresh. like in a bad way. Not in a bad way at all. Hmm. Uh on the palate. 
I don't know, just a lot of spices hit you at first. Like mm-hmm. there's a bit of hot ginger, that cinnamon, and that's why I probably got that banana bread vibe on yeah, the yeah. nose because it's that kind of spices, I think. Mm-hmm. But then it does become a bit more drying, a bit. There's like something on the palate that I, I couldn't put my finger on, but I'm thinking like kind of like an ashy wood. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like dry, but it's kind of dry. It's like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Like charred, like that kind of charred. Yeah. Wood. Well, again, that's kind of similar to my next, like another jam tasting notes. But for the palate on this one, I definitely got a kind of like uh, a sour, like a sherbet lemon sweetie. Mm, yeah. And then like a soggy, juicy apple pie pastry, kind of like that buttery, soggy pastry. And a super faint marzipan, but not strong. But I was getting a wee bit, you know, like you can kind of caramelize fruit, like in almost kind of like a wee kind of toffee sauce, like kind of caramelized. Yeah, like burn, kind of burn sugary vibe. Yeah, mm. a bit of that and that kind of like, I found the finish quite long. And that kind of caramelized orange with orange peel, and but maybe a bit biscuity, a bit shortbready. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. There's definitely that kind of, and it's sweet, but it's not not like super sweet. Yeah, exactly. I enjoyed it. it didn't like blow my mind, but no, I, I enjoyed but it. No, it was kind of nice sipper. Exactly. I agree. I finished the sample. Let's just put it like that. Well, let's put it. Yeah, but yeah, my glass is empty right now. Always a good sign. Are we going for the 15 next? Yeah, let's. Yeah, okay. So the 15-year-old is bottled at 53%. ABV is also made using both American and European oak, but this one has a high percentage of European. Nice colouring, isn't it? Yeah, so it's um, quite similar to the previous one, but slightly darker, I would say. Me too. Like more kind of almost like going to that caramelly colour, which gets me a wee bit like, oh, sherry, sherry shoulders are shaking with excitement (laughs) and anticipation. Uh, So again, this was, I found it, reasonably similar to the previous one mm-hmm. um and again it kind of evolved with air so it started off as fruit loaf you know with like raisins and things mm-hmm. cinnamon all that mm-hmm. again i was getting that red fruits but like in the kind of you know those fruit compotes that you put on top of porridge or with yogurt and stuff yeah that has a lot of like black currants red currants maybe some strawberry but it, yep. it's made with sugar and maybe a little bit lemon so, so all sweet, mixed. but like kind of tart. Yes. Aha, uh-huh, that kind of mixture of the sweet and the tart. Yeah. And there was definitely a bit more fumes on the at the beginning because probably the ABV. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of, there was more kind of layers to aroma-wise for me. I like got the rum soaked raisins that you'd mentioned with the, the 12-year-old and that maraschino. I, I don't know how to say that right kind of cherries that kind of like really rich kind of cherry maybe melty dark chocolate like I was thinking like a slice of fruitcake don't judge me here Inca but sometimes I like a big bit of butter on my fruitcake Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah toasted fruitcake with butter Mm, so I was getting that but then I was getting kind of more and more like as I let the air at it and then a kind of like a caramel sauce I felt there was kind of quite a lot coming through in different waves well this one is definitely now just going back to it while while it's been on the glass for quite a while, it's gone really sweet on the nose. Very sweet. I agree. It's more kind of caramelized now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So on the palate, I found the mouthfeel a bit different, a bit more, I want to say richer, but not like, I don't know, there was a bit more texture to it, but it wasn't like silky or anything. It was still okay. kind of 
there's just it felt heavier maybe more oily or something okay again the spices but more clear vanilla and some black pepper mm -hmm. uh, also that woodiness but pastries with kind of sugar coating thing mm -hmm. and i then after a while i was like this is almost salty oh interesting so i don't know it's like salty toffee or what is it but something yeah. salty in it salty something nice oh i like this i like this if i heard those tasty notes i'd be like oh give me a wee dram of that <laughs> yeah. i i enjoyed it in the palate for me it was more a kind of baking spice like a ginger that kind of dense fruit cake again very kind of you know like kind of heavy that you would get around christmas time maybe that dense fruit cake like imagine that like in a liquid liquid form oh. <laughs> it's like the mouth it's like that that's what i mean like the mouth feel like it's really hard to explain but it's just yeah. that kind of heaviness Oh yeah, that aha, uh -huh. the kind of density of that. Oh, that's mm. interesting. I found like there was definitely a kind of like wee sour note for me, like maybe like a kind of more sour cherry, mildly almondy. There was a kind of tartness, although it was those kind of juicy, um, you know, dense sweet cake. There was definitely a tartness for me on the palate. How did you find the finish? I found it quite okay on the finish, and I was getting a wee bit. I couldn't tell if it was you know the wee cigarillos, the wee like lady cigar. I like. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like, oh, it feels like I've just smoked one of those, or maybe I want to smoke one of those. I wasn't sure. But for me, there was certainly something tobacco ish mm -hmm. and okay. Quite nutty and woody, uh -huh. I would agree as well. But while I just had a sip, again, it feels a little bit more sweeter. Like there's definitely that kind of brown sugar feel to it. Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. Did you prefer it to the 12 year old? Yeah, definitely. Mm, I guess there's just more going on. Exactly. Um, That's exactly what I was going to say. There's more going on. It's giving me more. Yeah, but I think only because of the time and the air. Like yeah. if you just sip it straight away, it's a bit like, mm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But over time, it, it was giving me much more. But I think it's much more expensive than the 12. So, okay, the 10-year-old is the peat smoked one. Yeah, and, and not one that you should try first like I did. Oh, fail, Jane. <laughs> so the peated spirit style is matured in both first fill and second fill European and American oak casks and bottled at higher strength of 50% ABV. Yeah. This one is much lighter in colour, isn't it? Much lighter, more of a kind of strawy honey, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. What did you get in the nose for this, Anka? Because you're the peat freak of the two of us, although like I dabble. Well, this is really nice nose, I think barbecue rip kind of sauce thing you know yeah. going on like roasted pineapples you know when you roast pineapples and that kind of sugary stuff comes to yes. the surface all the all the tasty barbecue goodness yeah yeah exactly and you then you have some sort of meat with the sticky sauce and all that kind of stuff so mm -hmm, i guess mm -hmm. the peat comes rather than a smoke as such it's just that meatiness i think even almost like i would say agave i don't oh. know if you ever tried uh, roasted agave I've not, no. I did a tequila tasting once and they brought some roasted agave. And it was kind of like, almost looked like pulled pork or something. I was going to say, what does that actually look like? Because I've yeah. only had the syrup. Well, it, it's basically like a pineapple. Ah, like a right. Similar, like similar, but like it's more, like looks kind of like pulled pork or something. Yeah. And this reminds me of that kind of. Cool. But like, if you don't like tequila, don't be afraid. It's not like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just blue sky thinking. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's nice. 
really nice on the nose. It's, it's you know, it doesn't scare you. If you don't like peat, if you smell this, I'm sure you're quite like, hmm. Yeah, I would agree. You're not terrified if you're, you know, not into peat as you knows this. I think I was feeling whimsical doing my tasting note. I'm like, I'm in a cabin somewhere rugged in America, maybe the Smoky Mountains. Oh, there's been a fire in the cabin the night before burning away <laughs> and it's the morning after and it's lingering. Like that, that's where my <laughs> mind was going, right? <laughs> and then by the time I got out of that whimsical thought process and sniffed again, that kind of smoke was gone. So I don't think that it was like super smoky for me at all. I thought there was, you know, really quite sweet notes, but then I was quickly getting like a charred lemon, charred citrus, you know, again, if you were roasting Say you were roasting chicken with herbs and lemon or something and you've got that charred meatiness with the, the lemon. That was what mm. was, I got in the nose. I'd probably get more of that on the palate. Okay. Like that citrusy, but it's not acidic. It's more yeah. sweet citrus. That is, I don't know. Like I guess when you say you've got pineapple that's not super sweet, that it kind of has that little bit like, oh, makes your face go a little bit. I've something. definitely got that in the palate. And I've got lemon like in your roast chicken. Although it doesn't yeah. taste a chicken, but there's something like... But it's the roast. I think it's because it's the smoke. It's that kind of cooked meat. Yeah. The, the fat, like the chicken yeah. fat. Yeah, mm. totally. I, on the palate, got like a kind of, at first, like a lemon curd, a kind of there definitely was more citrus for me that settled it was more savory notes maybe like roasted rosemary and lemon with that chicken but I was then getting somewhere in there you've recently eaten like some chocolate maybe a mint chocolate and it kind of reminded me of when I'm being a bit greedy at Christmas and I'm kind of going from savory to sweet (laughs) (laughs) no now that you say the mint like yeah there's definitely that kind of fragrance coming through do you do that as well Inca it's not just me that does that at Christmas, kind of hopping all over the oh, food Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, definitely. <laughs> That's it. Let your intuition rule. Any more notes on the palate for you? There's definitely some sort of, again, that kind of savoury, salty something going on there. Yeah. Like seaweed or something almost. Mm-hmm. Like, that, you know, that crispy seaweed stuff that you get sometimes when you order oh, a takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I think the finish is really powerful on this, Inca. I got... I thought it was a bit fishy, not nasty fishy, but I got, you know, those are both smokies, that very heavily smoked mm-hmm. fish. A yeah, the bit. aftertaste, like the, yeah, the finish is a bit. Yes, an ashy finish, ashy, fishy finish. Yeah, smoke, the smell of smoked fish. Yeah, like a salty fish that's been salted quite well yeah. and then smoked and. Yeah, what even is our both smokies? I'm going to Google it. I don't even what know is what fish that? it is. Um, mackerel. It's I'm a, thinking mackerel. Uh, so I don't know if smoky that's is a type one. of smoked haddock. That's oh. what I'm thinking of. But yeah, that very, very strong flavour, kind of like Yeah, but even like that. what you can get like in supermarket when you buy, if say you're doing a fish pie and you need that one smoky fish to go in there. I always get smoked mackerel. Yeah. That's true. Good call, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Inca Larissa. So yeah, it's quite different from the nose to the finish. Isn't so you it? Get, like all the sticky, yeah, barbecue ribs, pineapple, even agave, going to citrus, roasted chicken, skin oiliness, mm-hmm. to seaweed, to smoked salty mackerel, haddock, or yeah. not. Nice. It's quite a journey it takes you yeah. on this Glen Turret Ten. Exactly. I was just gonna say it's like a proper whiskey journey. Yeah, and although my face is is making some interesting expressions, I'm still sipping Inca. I'm definitely here for this. 
Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. You know how the Clentarret is Scotland's oldest working whiskey distillery, but there has been times when the distillery remained closed. So my question for you is, do you know which distillery has the title of being Scotland's oldest continuously operating distillery? I do not know that. And I don't even think like I know it and I've forgotten. I actually think I just don't know it. Okay, well, this is what I found. If I'm, I'm pretty sure this is right, but if anyone has any other thoughts, please do let me know. Mm-hmm. It is Strat, Strat Isla, Strat Isla mm-hmm. uh, which is the home of the Shivers Blended Whiskey brand. And it used to be called Milltown Distillery until 1870. Ooh. Mm, and it's beautiful. Have you been there? No, I don't know. Oh. Not at all. So beautiful. It's definitely one of the most stunning whiskey distillers in Scotland. There's something about it, I guess, because it's like such a historic place. Definitely. Do you know, though, Inca, every distillery I've been to, you know, I hear that you've been to the ones we've been to together. Isn't there something quite magical in their own way about each? And I feel like I need to visit them all. I know, I know, exactly. I went to Strat Island Distillery a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. They had just opened a new, not visitor center, but like a tasting room and stuff. Nice. Oh, it was very cool. It was very like sensory stuff and lights going on. And it was much more modern and inside the old space. It was so is, nice. it, is it a space side distillery, Inca? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought so, but just wanted to check. Oh, nice. So, yeah, there's your whiskey fact for the day. Love it. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. Thank you for listening. And next week, we will be talking about the Glenlivet Distillery and the Dram on Fire section features the recently relaunched Glenlivet 21 and 25-year-old. So dust down those Glenlivet bottles or get out buying them and join us next Wednesday. And if you miss us before then, you can find us on Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at whiskeysisters or Facebook at whiskeysisterspodcast. May your glass be full and your dram on fire. Until next time, Inca. Woohoo!